Welcome to the Broadcasters Roundtable here on Flyers Radio 24-7. Well, the NHL offseason continues. It's been a tumultuous couple of months and lots to talk about on our newest Broadcasters Roundtable. Tim Saunders with Steve Coates, Jason Mertides, and sitting in for Jim Jackson is the oh. Hall of Famer Al Morgani. Al, welcome. How's it feel to be hockey royalty? Uh, it's not as imposing as filling in for JJ. <laughs> I, think, I think that's really what I have to get over here. You've been around a long time. I have, You've seen, have you seen an off-season like this one? This has been a, a real Ferris wheel, up and down type of a thing, uh, from injury to who they signed, who they didn't sign. I mean, the whole league, I mean, the, the last day with free agency was just, it was crazy. I don't think I've ever seen that. With players still sitting out, who everybody thought was going to be in the treasure chest, still sitting there as free agents. Right. Um, it I I can have referred to it as a roller coaster. You mm-hmm. used Ferris wheel uh, from the high of John Tortorella's hiring to the start of free agency. You're right. It has been a little bit nuts. Um, I get it that some fans are disappointed with the way expectations had been built up fairly or unfairly. But the way I guess I look at it is fans can approach this stuff with emotion. General managers can't build their team with that. That's an interesting thought and a very correct one. He, along and I, have been here an awful long time. Has this been a hard year? Yeah, just like Al said, it's been a hard year. But we've seen harder ones, and we've seen the ability to be able to bounce back. Emotion, especially with social media now, social media is so far off the wall where anybody can say there's no accountability. Somebody just go fire it out and say, yeah, that's why is this, why is that, and, and, and everybody's all up in an uproar. And because of that and because of the circumstances of the year we had last year, um, all those things have added up to an absolute terrifying situation. But... I think that our players didn't get worse. I mean, we're going to get players back. We had nine injuries last year. And I said this the last time we had the podcast that, well, that's an excuse. No, it's not an excuse. It was a reason. You don't miss the Hayes and the Couturiers and the Prisards and the Thompsons and the Farabies and the Atkinsons and the Ritzelinens during a regular season and figure you can survive on a regular basis in the National Hockey League. It doesn't happen. So now... All of a sudden, the same players that went to the bubble two years ago against the Islanders, we're getting those players back. And our other players are going to get better because we got a coach now that is going to take care of the culture immediately. Now, is it going to affect October and November? No, but you're going to see a, di- a different team. You're going to see a team that's going to be entertaining and a team that's going to be able to come and play night after night. This is not what the media says. Not Now, I'm getting off base. I'm probably counting in or jumping into what you were going to talk about later on. I'm just saying, to go back what you said, the emotion of the fan, I understand it. But understand what is actually happening. Now, I was given this, We got this, you this pad. Way, you haven't hit it once okay, yet. No, put it there. I was given this so I wouldn't bang, and I'm banging, because I'm trying to prove a point that it's not, it's not, you got to stop and understand what's going on. Everything happens for a reason. I know you're going to itemize the different things, so I'm going to get off and let Jason talk. All right. Jason does a daily podcast, Flyers Daily, which is uh, hard to come up, frankly, especially during the offseason, yeah. come up with new stuff to talk about. But, Jason, I guess 
you have so much money to play with, <laughs> and you got to make a decision on where you're going to put those funds and, and decide when is it time to swing for the fences and when is it maybe not time. Yeah, and I mean, you know, a lot of that obviously goes towards Goudreau because we've been conditioned as followers of the Flyers, fans, whatever you want to call it, for years. When there's a shiny toy out there, Flyers are in the mix. Every time, right? Pre-salary cap. Whoever that big-name player that was available, Flyers were in the mix. It was called the splash. Yeah, and it happened consistently. And even if they didn't end up with the guy, they were absolutely in the mix, and they were driving up the price for other teams. And then even post-salary cap, we saw it. We saw it with Chris Pronger, aggressive moves and those kind of things. So we've been conditioned as you know, fans of this team to expect whenever there's a shiny toy, go get it. Now you have this unique situation with a player that's from here, coming off a 115-point season, plus 60, and wants to come back here and play the team that he rooted for as a kid. But the reality of this situation is they were a team that was 40 points off the playoffs last year. The reality of the situation is you're looking at basically a $10 million a year, 29-year-old winger. Does that make sense? And listening to Elliot Friedman on 32 Thoughts, I thought it was really interesting because he said, I chickened out because he was told that the Flyers weren't in on Johnny Gaudreau because of those reasons I just said. and But he said, I just wasn't believing it because it was the Flyers. So even he has been conditioned that this team always goes after the big fish. I was not for it. I got caught up in the emotion of it. It would have been great to watch him every every game. But the reality is, is you had to take care of other things, and the volatility of Ryan Ellis's availability is something that is very real. You have to bolster that defense. So – um, it's all about timing and, you know, when you're going to go after certain guys. Bill Meltzer referred to it on Flyers Daily as you live in a house that's in disrepair. You have a leaking foundation. You have some plumbing issues. It's not the time to go out and buy a Porsche and park it in the driveway, <laughs> you know, and that's what Johnny Gaudreau was. So uh, expectations, if you have crazy expectations and are not met, you're going to be angry, and I think that's a play here. Al, um Flyers didn't mislead Johnny Gaudreau, from what I understand. Oh, no, he knew they, yeah. yeah. He knew. He was told they didn't have the cap space. I think he hoped against hope. He was hoping at the last minute the phone would ring. Right. But I was as guilty as anybody. I mean, I wanted him out of high school. (laughs) That's that's how much I love him as a player. Uh, But I guess guess what you get confused is is how you say something. It's like, well, just you you can't. You're in a really tough spot because you, you can't say you don't love the kid because he's a terrific player and he's local. You can't get, go there. And then you try to explain yourself, and but you don't want to say, well, we just we don't have anybody that can keep up with Johnny Goudreau or something. You, you just can't go certain areas, and you and when you try to explain your long term plan, it, most p- people only go from A to B. If you're trying to if you're trying to see M down the line, you're just not going to see it. So I guess what you, my hope would be here is that I was so excited when they when they got the coach, um, Tortorella, and and I'm thinking, I just want to see, I want to see how he gets the complete effort out of everybody, how he gets physical play out of everybody, how everybody if you're when you pencil in, I'm not even going to say numbers. I don't think he's a guy that goes to a player and says, you have to replace these numbers. Goudreau would have got this. I think what he, sh- what he wants is meet my compete level. This is what I want from you. I don't want this. If you go to this compete level, these things will take care of themselves. So, I mean, I'm 
let's frankly, I love watching Johnny Goudreau play hockey. I love it. I think who wouldn't? It's a great skilled player. But this is a franchise that I don't know that even much as I wanted him and I wanted to see him play if they're in a position to have that Porsche. Coach, you've been here as long as Al has. The other thing is GMs can't necessarily come out and publicly say what they did or did not try to do because if it doesn't happen, <laughs> the guy maybe you were trying to move is still on your team and he's not going to do that. No GM would. What people don't know doesn't hurt them. But their opinions do because somebody else is speaking up and saying, well, this should have happened, that should have happened. You know, it's interesting. Chuck is the general manager, and he has to be the guy that's going to make the final decision. He's the, the guy. He's the, the, the leader of the pack. But have you ever thought about the nine professional scouts that we have? We have two assistant general managers. We have four advisors, three of them being Hall of Famers. Do you think that this goes day to day without having a lot of input? I mean, a lot of hockey experience in a room discussing and deciding what to do, whether to take a guy like Goudreau or not. Is Johnny Goudreau a fabulous player? Yes. Absolutely a fabulous player. What he says. $10 million a year starting at 29. Has he ever been by the first round in the playoffs? No. No. Knocked out this year again. No. And there's a lot of players, and I'm Please, let's go back to what he had just said. He's a local kid, comes from a great family, but now we're talking business. Can you win with him right now with the team you have, and at the same time, are you willing to eat the $10 million, understand that this is what the, the, your, your result is going to be? It's hard. It's, the game's a hard game. There's a reason that, and I, I'm going to get myself in a little trouble here, here but... Size becomes an important part. I knew it. Okay? No, but really, this is why when you get into the playoffs and you watch the Colorado Avalanche and you watch these teams, you can get yourself into a situation where it gets tougher and tougher and you can get shut down. Now, do I think that that happened with Gaudreau? I don't know the answer to that because I don't see a lot of the games. But those are things that would be talked about. I'm not saying that was the reason. But those are the things that get talked about. And as like Al said, he's a spectacular player. What he does on a pair of skates and holding on to the puck and all those things, unbelievable. I just think the world of it. And I'm not the first guy that's brought up size with him because obviously that's why he didn't get drafted in the first round. Right. And he's proved everybody wrong. But the things that have to be discussed, which I'm all of a sudden talking about here, well, that's probably being said behind closed doors in all sorts of different variations about what you're going to make a $10 million a year uh, investment over eight years. You've got to talk about it. But we, as broadcasters, we don't know all the answers. We don't. All we can do is portray our thoughts and take what they've given us to be able to, when I say they give us, what we hear on a day-to-day basis because we're here. If wow. that answers your I mean, it's it's basically... What you said is that we cannot come out and tell people what really happened. And the media can speculate, and they've done a very poor job of it. All right. Some of the speculation was, if this is true, if he had ideas of creating cap space, it was going to cost him more than, and he said this in his press conference, more than what had been reported. Now, it's fairly commonly reported that it would have cost, at the very least, 
the Flyers' first-round draft pick next year, 23. I'm not giving that up. Not that could be a lottery pick in one of the deepest drafts we've seen in years. How do you get high-end talent, usually? You get a generational player through the draft. That opportunity may present itself. I'm not giving up that first-round pick. Now, that price is... When you start talking about the 2023 first-round pick, and you can lottery protect it, but they weren't going to allow you to lottery protect it, you're going to sell off a chance at a Connor Bedard. or I mean, there's the top five in that draft are cornerstone star players in the NHL. It's We've been looking at this draft for three years at this point, and obviously you have Connor Bedard at the top of that list, who is Connor McDavid or is the next generational player. When Sidney Crosby was drafted 17 years ago in Pittsburgh, all of a sudden, the Penguins became front-page news on every newspaper, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette or whatever it is. And 17 years later, they're still front-page news because he's still there. That's the kind of impact you have. You do not trade that lottery ticket for relief on one year of salary on a player. You don't do it. So you got to look at the situation and— you got to look at where they are. Like the other thing for a general manager, and like I agree with you completely, Coatsy, that you know what is communicated. No general manager is going to tell you what he's going to do, hmm. ever. People, I see this on social media. Well, we need to know what their plan is. No, <laughs> you want him to tip his hand further and lose more leverage in any kind of trade negotiation or anything. No, you don't. And general managers say things all the time. They're just words. Coaches say things all the time. They're just words. You look at their action. Oh, I like such player. He got six minutes of ice time last night. You really don't like him that much, do you? If you like a player, you see it in the ice time reflected. With a general manager or an owner, you hear things, votes of confidence, and then there's changes. So they never tip their hand. But the point of it is, is that this team's in a situation where they do need star players. So you're not going to give up that lottery ticket. And I know Freed reported that, that – it, was, it became a 2023 first, and that's over the line. If you want to talk about a 2024 first of Florida, which is going to be a pick 25 to 32, okay. I'm, maybe now I'm having a conversation. But a 2023 first? Hell no. Well, I'm hoping lottery. I'm hoping for a better season than, than we're talking about Bedard yeah. in December. I'm hoping that's what happens here. I mean, that's my, that's my hope of what goes on. And also, one of the biggest things here— and I don't think enough is made of if you see what happened in the free agency market. This flat cap is no joke. This this the RFA flat, market. The, the, this flat cap. This is not a case of in the past. You know, well, we can look ahead. There's going to be more money available. This is and this is in cement. I mean, this is what it's going to be. So it's uh, it's uh, it's like at home. Your budget for real for real. This, this is a flat cap. So I think if you were looking to get luxury. This was not the year to go get luxury. We see, you know, you see Kadri. I mean, you, you see what's happened. And in fact, in, in uh, Johnny's case, I think they actually misread some of the market. When you look at what happened, the numbers that had, because teams are just so wary of this cap right now. How are you going to, what is this going to mean a year, a year down the line? It's, it's, it's unbelievable that what we're going to have to do to get around this. And I think that that really was a huge, huge factor that there's no hope here that, all of a sudden, the league's going to, okay, more money's going to be available. No, you, you're dealing with a real, real hard cap right here. It's pretty possible, Coatsy. We get two, three years ahead from now, and we could just as easily be saying, thank God they didn't do that because you would have well, been in further <clears throat> cap jail. I don't disagree with that at all. I think that that is an interesting comment. I mean, 
Let me ask you this, and I will ask the group. Of all the teams in the National Hockey League that Johnny Gaudreau went to, were you not as shocked as I was that he went to Columbus? A little. Yeah, well, I mean, he took he, they took out the whole western half of the continent, right, when he said he wanted to come, come back to, and, it, to and, it, and the east. And in fairness, let's point out, yeah. he was stuck in Canada during COVID. Yeah. For an American kid, I, I don't yeah. think we yeah. recognize how— Very far from and, that. And this is a huge get for Columbus. I mean, you know, talk to Atkinson. You talk to guys that have played there. I was stunned. It's like, what the why would you why would you go there? And it's like everybody that's been there really loves it. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to me. I've, I've talked to people like they just love it. I'm like, wow, I never I never I don't live there. I'm, and I'm, I've gone to Ohio State for a hockey game like twice. That's it. So I wasn't like I wasn't like in hockey heaven. But I think he they, he really got sold by some of his, his high school teammate is, is right there. Robinson. Yeah, that's right his there. best buddy. Yeah. Well, no, the two Robinsons, the one right. that was with him in Calgary and then the Robinson that was, they're both from Belmar. One plays at Columbus, one plays in Calgary. Yeah, go lost to Catholic. But, okay, who's he going to play with? I I have no idea. <laughs> who's well, going to protect him? Uh, you see yeah. him playing with Jake? <laughs> Who knows? I mean, you have Line A there still, too, and, I mean, you have some some highly skilled players. Like, they, they, can, put a, they can put a nice group out there on the power play. There's no doubt about that. But... You know, but Columbus is interesting because, like you said, we've been. I think it takes a certain kind of person to fall in love with Columbus. Kind of quieter family guys. Like you look at Panarin, he wanted to leave. Uh, he wanted the glitz of New York glitz, City. Yeah. You know, obviously a big Russian thing going on in New York City as well. And then you look at players going back to Nash who wanted out. I mean, Jeff Carter lasted about six weeks yeah. there, <laughs> and and he wanted to be in L.A. with Richie. So, you, you know, you look at that and, but. Yeah, for the league, this is a good thing. I agree. For and the league, this is a really good thing that a market like that attracts that attracts that player. I think the real danger is if you're a Canadian market right now, you look at Kachuk up there, yeah. the two Kachuks in Canada, you look at that and you wonder, boy, are they going to have a hard time? Because you look at Austin Matthews down the line, really? too, another American-born player. They're going to lose. And they haven't won a cup in Canada since 93 yeah. when Montreal won it. Yeah. And I think that, that plays a part. The taxes, the... The dollar and also yeah. you know, the other elements of it. Are we uh, going to talk about Delorier and D'Angelo? Absolutely. Absolutely. I so, just thought I'd check. So <laughs> I, I guess here's where I go with that. It, it comes back to were they one player away right now from seriously contending? There are enough other holes that mm-hmm. I think no. Chuck decided this is a stabilizing summer. We have other things we need to address. It's a matter of where do you put those funds that you have available the uncertainty around Ryan Ellis to begin well, with made the D'Angelo move really necessary. No, that's you needed made, to go that, that get is, somebody. That has affected virtually every everything that's been done. Right, has been affected by that that one piece. That vortex. That that one piece mm-hmm. has changed, and it's not like you can say it's it's not there. That piece, and you can't say it's there, and you can't say it's not there. It's. A mystery piece. It's like a it's Scrabble. It's the blank thing. You don't know. What, you don't know what it is. Well, that, that's the thing. Like you can't. Like people were saying. Well, you're just going to be use his cap space. Well, well, well you don't know. You, don't know. That you, you can't can put do him that. on LTIR. Right. No. So what bef- if he turns up healthy? So <laughs> before we get to Delorier, let's have you talk about Johnny uh, or uh, Tony D'Angelo because I know he's been on your radar for a long time. I'll he's tell you what. Player. I am so excited. Tortorella, D'Angelo, our power play instantaneously becomes better. He had 20 power play points last year. 
everybody goes, well, you know, he, he had a problem with the Rangers, and he, he disrupted the, their locker rooms and all that. Obviously, they didn't speak to anybody at the New York Rangers, and obviously they didn't speak to anybody at the Carolina Hurricanes, who will tell you that anybody was in that room loved them. The only problem he had was with Georgiev, who's no longer with the Rangers. He's in Denver, and, and Tony moved on. Now, did he have some couple of things or scrapes when he was a junior? Yeah, who didn't? But this kid is a player. Not only is he a player, he's a flyer. He plays the game with a chip on his shoulder. He had 51 points in 64 games last year. He was third in scoring at one point in defensive scoring. He ended up 15th because he got injured. They loved him. And if I have a guy like Rod Brindamore say that he loved him as a player, that says it all for me. Now, we already loved him. Already loved him. But for anybody to come out and say, that's a bad move, you can't give him $5 million. you can't give up and give that. Where are you going to get a player, as good as he is, be able to come with a chip on his shoulder and provide offense and provide what you are as a flyer, representing the logo? That's what i got to say about Offensive-minded defenseman, right-handed shot, that's Everything. not a small issue. And even if Ryan Ellis, we're all hoping, yeah. is healthy and part of this team next year, it allows you to slot, guys. Uh, this is a pretty good blue line, pretty deep blue line. I, Very deep at that point. Yeah. You got somebody to back Ritz lining up. And remember, I tell you about Ritz. Everybody, Ritz lining. Well, you got Ritz lining for. What do you mean, Ritz lining? Ritz lining, a six foot five guy, makes people uncomfortable in our defensive zone. He's never learned how to win. He played in Buffalo all those years. And then all of a sudden, you go, oh, I'm going to get out of Buffalo. It's going to be better. I'm going to learn. And he comes here. And we have the same circumstance. Now, with Torts, it's going to get better. He'll get better. Everybody will become better. All right. With so, Brad Shaw, too, is an element of that, I think. Yeah, you're right. He's well. assistant coach. Yeah. You're right. So, Chuck said the priority is going into the offseason. we got to be better defensively. We've got to cut our goals against. you got to be better on the power play and, and, and penalty kill. Shit. So, he's thrown his money first at the need on the blue line. If you want to be harder to play against – uh, Nick Delorier is a guy that's going to certainly uh, make you harder to play against. He's going to protect teammates, and he's a tough guy. Yeah, I mean, he's a handful. <laughs> the game has changed, and there's not as much of that, but the, there's an element of accountability when he's on the ice that you're not going to be running around and taking shots at our top players because there's going to be, you know, there's going to be accountability for that. You can't, you're not going to be able to do that. The, the one thing about Delorier, um, I like the player. I like the cap hit. Four years is yeah. That a, raises a up. bit of a headed scratcher. A thirty-one-year-old fourth liner. But, but I got can, the answer to that. Can't you move that contract three Who years? Cares? Well, Who no, cares? Well, who cares? Well, you got four years. You, you gotta, Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> who cares? You get a guy for two million a year, and you give him a no-trade contract. One seven five. Who cares? Well, it's not like you can't. What are you going to say? He's an easily movable commodity yeah, at a yeah, trade but, deadline. But, but, but for I, think, I don't know that it's as easily movable with four years as hold he on, is at two on, years. Hold on, hold on, hold on. There was 18 teams trying to get this guy. It's called supply and demand. Yep. 18 teams wanted him. So what do you do? Well, we'll give you another year. Okay, we'll give you another year. Hold on for a second now. Uh, I'll tell you what, we'll give you a no. You want a no trade? We'll give you a no trade. Modified for the first two years, yeah. as I understand. 20 teams. teams. Yeah. Figure it out. And then people are going, well, you can't give a guy a fourth liner and no trader. Who cares? <laughs> Tell him to go home. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm being honest. It doesn't, if he's that bad and he's going to be good for this team, 
This is going to be a player that is going to make everybody in our locker room feel better. Nothing is better than sitting around that room everybody gets with 20 bigger. guys and saying, man, we're not going to get pushed around anymore. And don't you think that we, we talk to the players all the time. They knew what they needed. Our players knew what they needed to be a better hockey club. They know what they're coming off. And the people that think that, well, this team's no good, look, I'd like you to come down to the training camp. We'll take you into the locker room, and you can explain to them you think that they are going to be before we even start. Well, we haven't even played a game. Am I allowed to say that? I, we're going to well, find out. Yeah, we'll find out later on. <laughs> we'll be beeped. But, but, we'll beep. But, Ryan, but beep that. The, uh, the guy, what they actually got another, they, they actually, this will help connect me more than anybody on the roster, I think, to have another forward like that. It's a physical player. Yeah. So I think that will, that will, I think there's some looking at that. They'll be writing checks that Delaria will cash. Right. Everybody <laughs> becomes better. Yeah. Everybody. Everybody gets bigger, right? Well, Every, I always remember you skate around a warm-up and you look across on the other side and you go, oh, man, we're in trouble tonight. Because, you know, like when Ryan Reeves got sat, Ryan Reeves yeah, got sat out in game six against Pittsburgh, you go, why would you sit game six in the Stanley Cup fight? Why would you sit him? Those guys are looking to him in the locker room to take care of business when you go out to make them feel better. You've taken that element out. Tommy Wilson. I mean... It's it's endless when you go through all the teams that have won the Stanley Cup that have to have that element. Pat Maroon. The, Tampa Bay had nothing. They went out and got Maroon, Gaudreau, Coleman. Oh, all of a sudden, you go with their skill. They had players. They had guys to make everybody feel better. This is the guy. There you go. You've got some, And you've got some young players that are going to need to be protected, and it's going to be easier to do that now. Uh, it's going to quiet down here now for the next – few weeks and then we'll start Don't be so sure up. with this yeah, well, <laughs> there is a period late into august that it gets kind of quiet yeah it, there's still some people out there through the league i mean believe it or not i mean kachuk's name is like it seems like they're ready to trade him out of calgary in the next hour yep. from what goes on because they don't want to lose a guy like they just lost johnny hockey but i'm 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 sure when it all when, when, when it gets down to it, the biggest plus is going to be you've got a coach, and you mentioned the defensive coach, the um, Shaw. Shaw. That, to me, is a big deal um, that you can now, and it's a big deal not just for the defenseman who, let's face it, a lot of guys have been moved up a slot, if you're looking at what the Ellis thing's done. Mm -hmm. To have a defensive system in place, one of the, the beneficiary is going to be the goaltender in this, who I think was okay anyway. Well, a notch above okay. He had a good Our year last year. He was good. Yeah. Our goaltending was good. And now you add a coaching a coaching staff that's really going to make the accent on how we're going to play in front of this guy. And I think there's a huge plus on from if you're looking for what's been upgraded, where is there, where is there any growth, I think it'll be in the way they play in front of their goaltender yeah, to defend. It'll go back to how you started. Let's see where this team is under John Tortorella, the effect that he has, the effect he's going to have on certain guys like uh, oh. Kevin Hayes yeah, and a lot of guys. Um, and I think then that's going to make this summer exactly what Chuck suggests it should be, Tim, to find out where we are. That, to me, is the biggest thing going into the season that I'm looking for. We know Tortorella can develop younger players. We know we can take other players and take them to a next level by accountability and pushing them and making them uncomfortable. 
So I look at guys like Travis Konechny, who's kind of flattened out over the last couple of years since the bubble, after three straight 24-goal seasons, the last one in 69 games, basically a 30-goal pace. I look at Ivan Provorov. I look at Joel Farabee when he does come back, and guys that he's going to take to the next level. And then to Al's point about goaltending and environment, if there's more structure there and predictability, the, the ultimate enemy of any goalie is lack of predictability. Because you want to know that that guy on the back door is covered or that they're not flooding like a moth to a flame on the puck all on the right side. And then there's that guy coming from the point and just coming in for a point blank shot. That predictability will help Carter a ton. I worry a little bit about the backup situation because they, they end up signing Troy Grosnick to a contract who's played four NHL games. will be 33 when the year starts. And Felix Sandstrom. Came in, showed some some good signs, but the Fedotov situation. But you still have some money flexibility to go address issues if it's something that is going to have to be addressed with a veteran. Yeah, and, and especially if Ellis is LTIR'd. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that is part of the equation uh, that they can do that. The market has been in, insane for goaltenders this offseason. I think 14 teams were looking for goaltending. Yeah. So um, there are still guys out there. Yeah, there are still guys available, but... And, and if you have, have a situation where neither of those guys can cut that backup situation for Hart, because, I mean, you have 14 back-to-backs, so you're going to have to use them there. You have to you have to play your backup in today's NHL. You can't play Hart 65 games. All right, we've rambled for 29 minutes in the last 30 seconds. Have you gotten your Hall of Fame speech written yet? Oh, I'm, I've never written anything down in my life. You ever watch me? He <laughs> does. I don't. You've you got to be thinking about it. Uh, I'm going to thank Coetzee. I'm going <laughs> to I'm not. No, what I is it that he did for? I, well, Coatsy gave me great entry. I mean, we both came here the same year, right? Yeah. Basically, 1980. Yeah. Well, you came. I came here as a player at 73, and you. We both broke in. Yeah. At 80, 1980. I'm, I'm glad I'm going with Billy Clement because I feel badly for Billy. I my first team I covered was the Atlanta Flames, and he was there. <laughs> then, then I was then 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 I, then he became a broadcaster here, and I was covering for the Enquirer. Then ESPN called and said, you want to cover hockey? He said, sure, I get on the plane, and who's there? Billy Clement. I'm working with Billy Clement there. He can't get away from me. <laughs> he can't get away. I sort of feel badly, and now he's, he's, going in the, he's going in the same time. So it's it's really cool. It's a, it's a, it'll, be a, it'll be a fun – I still can't – I mean, I don't, I'm looking for a recount. I don't understand how this happened, but um, I'll, I'll, accept, neat, I'll, neat, I'll accept it. Neat to have you sit in with us, and congratulations. That's heartfelt from all of us. I just hope that, you know, Coatsy, everything he says got in this broadcast today. <laughs> what? Are you going to apologize to all the people you've pulled a practical joke on in your Hall of Fame speech? No. You only get so much time. I'm, you, you want me to get all the things that I want? I'm, there's certain words you use that sometimes I'm just hoping everything gets in the broadcast. You want to bang is... anymore? We got this. Bang no. on that. I, I love Coatsy because he gets emotional. You could ask him about what's your favorite ice cream, and he's going to. <laughs> I don't have a favorite ice cream. <laughs> Tell you what, in the booth, when he gets going and the arms start going, yeah. you got to keep your head up. I have a favorite beer. But I don't have a favorite ice cream. <laughs> All right, with that, let's what, free uh, beer. Let's let's, <laughs> let's wrap this up. Al, thanks for Thank joining you, no us worries. in our latest broadcasters roundtable. For Steve Coates, Jason Martinez, Al Morgani, I'm Tim Saunders. Thank you, Tim.